0: Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Sue Ann brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. And, uh, Jim, yesterday I wanted to talk Timberwolves and Wild because the seasons had ended since I last talked to you. I kind of buried the lead a little bit. Really, the Vikings draft, obviously big news coming out of the weekend. They wind up with six picks uh, overall. What what was your overall impressions of the draft? How did you like it?
1: It's funny, too, how you say it's big news. It's amazing. It is incredibly popular, it's incredibly mm. scrutinized, and you have no idea if any of these guys can play. Right. And last year, they got nothing, almost nothing, out of the draft, and they won 13 games. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's important, it's interesting, and you never know if it's going to be important or not. Um, or, you know, if it's going to be impactful, or if it is going to be impactful, when it's going to be impactful. Uh, so it's very clear that they view Lewis, Sean and Andrew Booth, their first two picks from last year, who couldn't play because they were hurt, they view them as kind of their defensive first-round draft picks for next year. Uh, and they think that Brian Flores is going to be able to get a lot of out of them. Uh, so they go receiver, not in an apparent position of need, but their first pick, which is an indication they have an offensive coach who really believes in three receiver sets and in having three receivers good enough that you can't load too much upon Justin Jefferson. Now he has three receivers he likes, plus T.J. Hawkinson for a full season, Uh, Plus, Kirk Cousins going into his second year in this offense. I think he feels really good about the passing game after getting Jordan Addison. Now, um, Mm -hmm. we should say this. When you stand next to Jordan Addison, he's my size. He's 5'11, 175 pounds. Uh, He's stronger and faster than I am, but he's not a big guy. It's going to be really interesting to see if his body type translates well into the NFL. Uh, You know, he, he, he was the fourth of four receivers who went like one, two, three, four right in a row. Uh, he could end up being great like Justin Jefferson. He could end up being an, a reach like Laquan Treadwell. We just aren't going to know for a while. Yeah. Then they get a couple of de- uh, versatile defenders in the next couple of picks. Uh, Flores loves versatile defenders. He can blitz. He can drop them into coverage. He can do all kinds of, he can s- disguise schemes. He's going to look a lot different than Ed Donatel. So he obviously likes the next couple of picks. And then it, later they, on, they get a quarterback. UIQ quarterback, over mature, accurate. Uh, can run around and make plays not a lot of arm strength not a big guy not a not a speedy guy but kind of almost like a case keenum type be really interesting to, i would guess that they draft him to be their backup and to see if there's any developmental possibilities there uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he ends up being their backup
0: oh yeah and uh you know it kind of reminds me of Brock Purdy not real big not a huge right. arm taken late in the draft had success with a good team and support system around him do the vikings kind of look at him maybe as their Brock Purdy
1: Maybe, yeah. Uh, I mean, any time you get in the late, I mean, listen, a lot of quarterbacks drafted in the first 15 picks are utter failures. Mm-hmm. So certainly when you take somebody fifth, sixth, seventh round, it's a long shot. But you want the right kind of long shot. You want it to be – somebody could be Keenum, who could be Case Keenan, who could be Barack Purdy, who could – you know, Tom Brady's a ridiculous one-off, so we're not going to cite him. Right. Kurt Warner's an undrafted player. There are players out there you can get late, and they end up having something.
0: And, you know, you have to get everybody under the salary cap, too, right? So when you have 10, yep. 11 draft picks, you got to fit them all under. So is that part of the reason they weren't overly aggressive in trying to add picks as they got into the draft?
1: Well, you know, listening to Quesi talk, it just sounds like he, you know, Spielman wanted to have 10 picks in every draft. Mm-hmm. And he would sometimes sell out to get 10 picks in every draft. And I think Kwezi takes a much more... You know, it's funny because sometimes we look at people who love analytics and we think every move is going to be this, oh, incredible, scientific, algorithmic mystery move. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when I talk to people in analytics, I say, let's not forget basics here. It doesn't matter if you have 10 picks. What matters is how many of those 10 picks can actually play and fit your system. So I think Kwezi is much more, like he said, I just want to be efficient with our picks. So they did trade down a couple times, but they traded down because there wasn't a player they absolutely loved at that pick and they thought they'd get that player later. Why not pick up extra picks? But to trade just to get extra picks doesn't make a lot of sense because a lot of these yeah. people aren't going to make your roster no matter what.
0: And with Seen and Booth hardly playing last year, it's almost like you got an extra first and second round pick coming to the team this year.
1: That's the way they're looking at it, mm-hmm. and they really, they really like both of them. Um, I, you know Booth is really a physical specimen. He's healthy. You can see him really developing into a, an impact cornerback. Seen isn't all that big but he's he hits hard. He, he, he probably w- plays faster than his 40 time. Uh, and they think that a year watching on the sideline, they really like him personally. They think a year watching it on, the, on the sideline is really going to benefit him. Um, and he gets to learn along Harrison Smith, which also makes Cam Bynum kind of a hybrid defensive back who mm-hmm. uh, you would think that uh, Flores is going to be able to use to good measure. So I think they feel pretty good about the roster going forward. Really, you know, I wrote about this the other day. The, the great – The biggest story of the offseason is not the story that everybody's talking about all the time because they've made so many interesting moves and they still haven't told us what they're going to do with Dalvin Cook and Zavari Smith. The biggest story is they could have sold out and signed Kirk Cousins to a huge contract that would have kept him here for five years, and they did. And I think that just tells you they like him. They want him to be their quarterback this year. They don't like him enough to extend this contract and have him locked in for beyond this year.
0: But they don't necessarily believe that Hall is the guy, right? Or Are they going to find that out?
1: Uh, no, they no, you don't. No, they're not. He's not a transitional. Listen, that's why they like Anthony Richardson. Mm. They thought if they could, you know, if Anthony Richardson had dropped in the draft to a point where they felt like they could afford to trade up to get him, they would have done it. They would have spent this year with Cousins as a starter, Richardson as the backup. and They were in year two. Hall is a He's a lottery ticket. You're not building your plans around him. Yeah. You just want to take a look at him.
0: Yeah. Uh, will, uh, you know, uh, uh, will Delvin Cook be a member of the team much longer? Uh, anybody else that is still on the roster that may be leaving before long? June 1st is a big date in the NFL, isn't it?
1: It is. Uh, you know, you, you can cut them after June 1 and take less of the salary cap hit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they would like to trade Delvin Cook and get something in return for him but if they can't trade him, then after June 1, they'll probably, they'll probably cut him. Um, and then Zedarius Smith, we're not really sure what they're thinking there. Because You could bring him back and have him be uh, and have him be kind of an overpaid situational pass rusher and try to keep him healthy through the whole season and have him do what he does best, which is pass rush the passer. Mm-hmm. He was spectacular, perhaps, season. Then he fell completely off the table the second half of the season. Maybe if he's in a rotation with other pass rushers, he has a full, healthy season, and he helps you with the pass rush, which is the second most important thing in football. Yeah. Uh, but the easy thing there is just cut him and move on.
0: You, uh, In your column that came out uh, in the afternoon, uh, yesterday at least, on the on the dot-com uh, site, you kind of compare and contrast and fans' thoughts on the Timberwolves versus the Wild, and, and you feel like maybe there's a little bit of a disconnection there.
1: Uh, there's always. It's like well, hockey fans want to believe that their guys are gritty, tough, will <laughs> do anything to win. Uh, you know, just you know, lion-hearted competitors, and Timberwolves fans, especially, you know, the online Timberwolves fans. I think Timberwolves fans show up with a different perspective, but the, the outsider Timberwolves fans, they just think Carl Anthony Towns is soft, NBA players are soft, uh, hockey players are much tougher, grittier competitors, NBA players don't really care, don't play defense. These are the cliches you, you encounter as a sports fan or a sports writer, mm-hmm. and I just point out, Soft after the first period of the first game in the playoffs, absolutely disappeared. Totally disappeared. Felino played like an idiot. And the last two games of the series, after taking a two to one lead and putting yourself in a position where you probably should win the series, mm. the last two games they were non competitive. Mm. They did not show up. They were wimps. Uh and then the Wolves who get ripped on in that way all the time, uh they they're playing a number one seed. They're playing a team that's clearly superior, a team that is healthier than they are, a team that was better than them all year, a team that might go to the NBA Finals, might win the NBA Finals, and they get crunched in game one. They're tired from the two playing games. Uh, they're more competitive in game two. They're very competitive in game three. They win game four in overtime. They almost push game five to overtime, and then now you're seeing the Nuggets destroy uh, the Phoenix Suns mm-hmm. in the next round of the playoffs. That's a, that's a great team. And Towns, Gobert, and Edwards—the last three games of that series—played really well, really well, really efficiently offensively, really well together. Uh, and I just point out that Towns—you can rip on him anything, any way you want. Uh, he made way for Gobert in this offense willingly. He's now making way for Anthony Edwards in this this uh, offense willingly. Uh, and if you want to complain about him getting technical fouls, as I point out, uh, you're talking about a league where Draymond Green, you know, is the the worst arguer in the NBA, and he has four rings. And I also listed the top ten technical foul getters in NBA history, and they're all guys you would kill to have on your roster. Right.
0: That's right. Hey, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5, Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.